Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Warren Jackson has gone missing. She's the five-year-old girl who seemingly vanished from her home in Chester County. For months, I was like on pins and needles every day thinking we were going get, to get to the bottom of it. The little girl was yelling, no, mommy, no, no, mommy, no. Investigators say after searching the area, they didn't find Lauren or any of her things, but they say they believe they found a trail tracking her from this apartment complex to the major highway right down the street. He said to me, we're no closer to finding her than the moment it happened. It's like she vanished. It's an unsolved case that's kept investigators searching for decades now. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children says they've been getting leads over the years. But I'm not gonna give up. This is Unsolved in PA. Hi, I'm Jessica Babb, an investigative reporter for CBS 21 News. In 1988, five-year-old Lauren Jackson disappeared without a trace from her home in Spring City, Pennsylvania. It's a tiny rural town about an hour west of Philadelphia. She hasn't been seen since. But 34 years later, her dad hasn't stopped searching. So where is Lauren Jackson? What do investigators know? And where did their search lead them? We're putting you on the ground with search crews in this episode of Unsolved in PA, Finding Lauren Jackson. Getting in the car, driving back to the place where Lauren Jackson disappeared. Just kind of as you were coming back to this area, making that drive from Philadelphia, what was going through your mind today? Uh, I can't believe it's all these years. For Lauren's dad, Michael Jackson, who also goes by Mickey, even three decades later, it's a drive he'll never forget. You just realize what you lost. I lost a lot, and this kid lost a lot. Standing at just two and a half feet tall, with brown hair and a sweet smile, little Lauren was just five years old. Oh my gosh, he was just a nice kid. He was the nicest kid you ever meet, and I... Uh, I said it to my mother one time. So what did I do to deserve her? She was just a sweet kid. She loved animals. She didn't want to hurt anybody. She was just a, a very kind-hearted kid that was just the way she was. She had just celebrated her birthday. She had just turned five like eight days before this. But her birthday wishes never came true. Now her sweet smile can only be seen on a missing poster. The words, help bring me home, printed above her picture, with the hope that one day she'll be found. So this, this case, I mean, it sounds like you relive it almost every day. Absolutely. 
That's why if I don't stay busy doing something, it's still right there. Mickey lives every day not knowing what happened, where Lauren went, or if she could still be alive. What's been the hardest part about this? It's realizing what I've lost out on every day. Not having her around. All the years, you know, she's not a kid. I see a five-year-old in front of me all the time. She's not five years old. You know what I mean? And uh, it's like my mother said years later, you know, you, you hope she, she had a good, at least had a good life. At that point, what else are you going to think? What would it mean to you to get an answer? <laughs> Everything. I remember it was a very cold, a drizzly night. That's just in you. James Cody was a sergeant with East Vincent Township Police at the time. He says October 4th, 1988 is a date that's stuck in his mind. My chief at the time answered the call, and it was basically a routine call that a child was not at home. Except this time, it wasn't. This call turned out to be far from routine. When I first got there and spoke to the mother, and she was upset, obviously, she could have been with a number of kids or other people in the, in the development because it was a close-knit community. But it just it struck me as this was different. I was sitting on a chair. It was 20 after 9 at night. It was either 9 or around 20 after. I think it was 20 after. I was watching TV. Yeah, I figured I, yeah, I might as well get to sleep because I had to get up early. To be honest. I usually had to start work at 7 in the morning. And uh, or something, I get the phone call. Mickey shared custody of Lauren with her mom, Christina O'Donnell. On October 4th, Lauren was with her mom, living at the Park Spring Apartments. I don't know if it was Jim Cody, probably was him, saying uh, who he was, and she was missing, and if I had her, you better get her back here right away, or you're gonna be in trouble. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? So I called a friend of mine, and we drove up together, and the whole place here was just filled with people. Located off a quiet residential road, it's a commotion that wasn't usual for the apartment complex. The father, Mickey Jackson, had known that his daughter was missing. I walk into the scene basically, uh, and I see him walking up the street towards me, pushing people out of the way, wanting to know what was going on, who was in charge. And he had some nice words for me. Um, and um, I took him aside and tried to calm him down. I think it was just in me <laughs> uh, that this was different. Again, we've had calls before and the child was with the grandmother shopping, something like that it was very benign. This one was, everybody was frantic. The neighbors were outside, no one could locate her. So it was right in your face, she's not here. Okay, if she's not here, then not here meaning within the complex, then there's a problem. It was all hands on deck. The FBI, Pennsylvania State Police, a Philadelphia rescue unit, and East Vincent Police all joining in on the search. Basically, the plan was for us to do the physical search, for the FBI to go into the buildings and speak to as many people as possible to determine whether or not she was with someone else or, or she could be with someone else. 
Investigators, man trackers, bloodhounds, and crews from fire departments were all searching for Lauren from the air and from the ground. We checked every wooded area, every lake, even had state police stopping vehicles along the major route the night after, asking drivers if they had seen something the day before. We, we worked at believing that it would be the worst case scenario. Community members and volunteers also joined the effort. Everyone was trying to find Lauren Jackson. The people of the township, I'm talking about Mrs. and Mr. Jones, <laughs> they came out and supported all the searchers. Uh, the fire companies were there, uh, neighboring towns, Phoenixville and Spring City and Morrisford, they all came. Uh, but the civilians, the people, they if they couldn't help in the search, they, they made coffee and, and donuts and things like that to provide to the people who were searching. But as far as the, the outpouring or the response from just the neighbors, and again, you have to think back at the time, Park Springs Apartments didn't have the best reputation in the world. Most people would want to stay away from there. I don't know, I guess you're kind of like shocked still, like you're just hoping that there's going to be a quick result and it's going to come to an end. The search for Lauren was plastered on the front page of the Daily Local News on October 5th, 1988, just hours after she went missing, saying she was last seen playing outside. The mother said that she was outside playing with spoons in the dirt with a neighboring child. Uh, the mother went in the house to do something, came back out again and couldn't find her. The mother went door to door and asked if anyone saw Lauren and no one had. Cody says the child Lauren was last with said they left before Lauren did. I did speak to the child. I spoke to the child with his mother who was with Lauren. He said that he had left and she was still there. As the days stretched on, so did the search. Those early searches, did they turn up anything? Any kind of signs of any toys or clothing or anything that she might have had or would have been connected to her? Uh, man trackers uh, actually looked at her tennis shoes in the closet and other uh, shoes that she had. Um, got an idea of the size and pattern and they were actually going doing this, um, looking at grass, the way it was bent over or looking for patterns in the dust or dirt alongside the road. Cody says through their search, investigators thought they developed a trail. On October 6, 1988, two days after Lauren went missing, the Daily Local News says Lauren's last traces were footprints leading from her home to the Vincent Motel nearly half a mile away. The trail led from the apartment complex towards the major highway, which was 724. That's again another scenario. There was, there was no evidence, to get back to your earlier question, <coughs> of her being anywhere else. No shirt, no shoes, no anything. Other than uh, the man trackers believing one thing, the bloodhounds believing one thing, Philadelphia Search and Rescue thinking something. Um, and, and that's how it developed. The search was expanding. But those prints were a dead end. People did the best that they could at what they, their expertise was. The Daily Local News on October 7, 1988, writing Lauren's mom, Christina O'Donnell, was coping with the crisis, clutching her daughter's tattered blankie. She wasn't sleeping or eating, worried about what may have happened to Lauren. It was three weeks later to the day. I was on the phone with Dave Rector, the FBI agent that was in charge, and he said to me, we're no closer to finding her 
than the moment it happened. It's like she vanished. The long days without Lauren turned into weeks. Cody says they didn't give up. He says they looked into different leads and even had help from a psychic. But listen to this. He says months later, there was a big break in the case. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Uh, I got a phone call from a law enforcement officer in a neighboring community who I knew. And he said, Jim, I have some information for you. And I said, what's that, Bob? He said, my wife uh, has some information about the missing child. And I said, well, duh, why now? And she explained, or he explained, that she was definitely afraid of urination or anyone coming after her if there were a drug deal involved. Again, there were a lot of different theories, right? I said back then when that witness came forward, I was relieved. I often, for, for months, I was like on pins and needles every day thinking we were gonna get, get to the bottom of it. Cody says during his meeting with that witness, she says she saw a woman with a young girl, believed to be Lauren, at a Jamesway, a store in a strip mall just a few minutes from the Park Spring Apartments where Lauren went missing. That strip mall is right along the highway, Route 724. That's where police were stopping people, and it's near the area where Lauren's tracks suddenly stopped. The witness says, Jim, I saw a lady <coughs> 34 years later, right? Try to put a girl, a little girl, repause this. You can hear it in Cody's voice during our interview. Even three decades later, recounting this witness's statement is emotional for him. Anyway, she said that she saw a lady matching the description of the mother, Christina. Try to force a child matching the description of Lauren, little girl, into the back of a car. And the little girl was yelling, no, mommy, no, no, mommy, no. And... Um, you have to think, wow, okay, there it is, right? It makes all the sense in the world. With the investigation shifting, focusing more on Lauren's mom, Christina O'Donnell, could she have been involved in the disappearance of Lauren, her own little girl? Let's rewind and go back to the day Lauren went missing, October 4th, 1988. I called a friend of mine and we drove up together. And the whole place here was just filled with people. And Christina was standing out front and I was trying to wave her over to talk to her. So I'm thinking, you know, I wasn't upset at her. I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to figure out what was going on. She wouldn't come nowhere near me. She never once spoke to me from the time it happened. So you're going to tell me 
no matter what, if two people weren't getting along, that something like this happens, that you're not gonna forget all those things because you got something in common, you wanna try to find your daughter, that you're not gonna speak to somebody. She never confided with me or my family when she knew we were trying to find her. That doesn't speak volumes. Remember, Mickey and Christina shared custody of Lauren. The two of them had a rocky relationship. We had broken up in uh, September of 87, and then I went, I waited a few months just to let things cool down. I filed for custody, I don't know, like maybe February, and uh, got partial custody. She tried to contest it some, saying I was abusive. Mickey claims custody was getting complicated. The uh, custody officer said, well, we're gonna have to come back for a court hearing. So I got her outside because she had uh, stole a couple thousand dollar checks out of my mailbox and forged them and cashed them. And I knew it was her. I went to the bank, they would say they'd give me the money back and they would press charges. I told her, look, you're gonna keep playing these games. I'm gonna prosecute you for that. So all of a sudden then she backs off on that. Mickey says he wanted full custody and had asked Lauren if she wanted to live with him. He believes that got back to Christina. After I was thinking about it, it was six weeks later this happened. Christina was, she, she was a nice lady. I mean, a nice lady, but she didn't fit the, 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 the pattern or description or mold of someone who had such a loss. My, my feeling, okay? With those suspicions, the FBI agent assigned to Lauren's case, the witness, and Cody all went to Christina's home. We went to Christina's home and pulled in in the car, and I said, look, I'm going to go inside, and I'll get her outside to talk to her. And you guys just sit back here and, and see whether or not it's, it's somebody that you really believe 110% is that person. Went to the door, knocked on the door. I, I had brought her outside, and we had a discussion uh, on her soup there. The witness and Dave and the husband were all sitting in the car, no more than 30 feet from her. Christina went back inside. I jumped in the car. We went back to my office and we discussed it. She said, I'm 100% sure. But in my mind, no, that was slam dunk. I mean, it was, that was it. Only it wasn't. Someone, I, I don't know if it was Dave Richter, the FBI agent, called me and said, Jim, that couldn't have happened. And I, and I, we mean it couldn't have happened. Cody says he was told the time period in the witness's statement didn't fit. It was either hours off or a day off, and I don't remember. I don't have that. that it was just the time period didn't fit. In my mind, I don't care. You know, um, that was enough for me. And again, I'm sharing this with you where my mind was at the time. I went to the DA's office. District Attorney's Office in Chester County. I met with one of the DAs. And I said, look, I said, I think I have enough evidence here to make an arrest. And um, they're obviously dissuaded me from doing that. Cody says he was told by the Chester County District Attorney's Office not to arrest Lauren's mom, Christina O'Donnell, saying things didn't match up. I asked the Chester County DA's office about it. They say they're researching it, but haven't gotten back to me. And the witness that came forward and said they want her hand her over in the James Way Shopping Mall parking lot, which isn't that far from here. Mm -hmm. How do you blow that off so easily? There was a discrepancy there, like you're more or less like making that sound like there was no credibility to it then. It's nonsense. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, what would it have hurt to aggressively go after that? And again, they're the highest law enforcement 
entity in, 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 the, in the county. So it wasn't going to go anywhere if I did make an arrest. Just embarrass people, perhaps, or, or, or whatever. In my mind, what it would have done was it would have opened the case up a little bit. She may have come forward. And I'm not saying charge her just for the hell of it. I'm saying I had enough information in my mind to believe that she was involved in the case. Yeah. Okay. And uh, after that meeting, I was told that the county was going to do a grand jury investigation. I was happy about that. Um, that would have resolved all the issues, brought a number of people in. They actually gave me the subpoenas to get out, so I knew it was happening. They consorted the grand jury. I left the department in 91, I think February. I heard that in June, the um, grand jury was disbanded or dispersed. By 1991, close to three years after Lauren disappeared and after James Cody left the East Vincent Police Department, he says the grand jury didn't take action. Christina O'Donnell was never arrested for Lauren's disappearance. But here's something Christina O'Donnell was arrested for. Remember what Cody had to say about that witness that came forward? That she was definitely afraid of recrimination or anyone coming after her if there were a drug deal involved. Well, this could be one reason why. Just one month before Lauren disappeared, on September 2nd, 1988, Christina O'Donnell was arrested for pretending to be a doctor to get prescription drugs. The criminal complaint says she posed as a doctor and called in a prescription to her pharmacy. From February of 1988 to September of that year, Christina had done that nine times. When she was caught, she even admitted to making the phony calls. But arrest aside, Christina O'Donnell has said she didn't have anything to do with Lauren's disappearance. In my mind, based on my experience, having gone through those before where you know, the child is found at some point later. Um, she just didn't fit the, the mold. I mean, um, she didn't call every day. Father, 34 years later, still calling me. But we can't ask her ourselves. Christina O'Donnell died more than a decade ago. Cody says while he was with the East Vincent Township Police Department, they pursued every lead. We just didn't sit there, you know, we did everything we could do, exhausted every lead we had. I'm still getting phone calls from the father, and he's not happy. He feels as though that law enforcement can still do something. There are some threads out there that can be pulled on to at least get closure. I mean, we're at that point, right? Um, and he felt all along that uh, law enforcement didn't do a sufficient job. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, I'm disappointed also. But he left a few years after Lauren went missing. In the decades since then, there's been little information about Lauren's case. The East Vincent Township Police Department has been tight-lipped, and it's not clear what has been done on this case in the years since. Well, they act like they don't have to tell me anything either. Oh, well, we can't tell you this, we can't tell you that. No, I don't believe that. I have a hard time with that. Like I said, just give us the files. Let us scour them. We might come up with something that was missed. My biggest thing is they made the mistake of not pursuing when that woman said that she was handed over. The family should have been investigated. The whole family, every relative should have been located. Who was, could have been an extended family, could have been a close friend, but still should have been done. And I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't think it could have been, it would have been hard to do over a period of time. 
Mickey has been trying to track down Lauren's case files for years, wondering if he might spot something that may have been missed, but he's had no luck. East Vincent Township Police say it's still considered an active case and wouldn't tell us anything either. Our right to know request for the case files was denied. I've also tried tracking other people down who might know something, like family members related to Christina and Lauren. After reaching out multiple times, I've never heard back from them. Do you feel like there were parts of the investigation that fell through the cracks? On a number of levels, okay, uh, Jessica. One of which is that I knew how hard I worked on it and the people around me worked on it, right? And I knew that at some point it would slow down because of lack of information and, and, and uh, leads. That's, that's normal. I will tell you, I think that if a father is concerned about his missing daughter a hundred years later, if there's somebody on the job and getting paid to do work, they need to be doing it. If there's something out there, or a thread to be pulled. They're doing what they believe is right based on, okay, it's a cold case, it's gone. Okay, we move on. The question is, if it's a cold case and it's gone, then why not provide any information out there that's available? If it's an active investigation, okay, then what are you doing about it? Thirty years later, what would it mean to you to get some of these answers? I mean, a lot. You know, to get some kind of just the fact that to know that they're trying to do something. Trying to find Lauren Jackson, wherever she may be. If someone out there knows something, now's the time to step forward. It's like it feels like it happened every day. You wake up, you don't feel like your arm was cut off. You know, it's. Like I said, just because I learned how to cope with it doesn't mean I've, it's not difficult. We all missed out on it, her not having her around. She was just a nice kid. Do you think it's possible that Lauren Jackson is still alive? You're going to get me again. <laughs> um, I pray that she is. This one only gets to me because of closure, that's all. I would just get totally overwhelmed. But this comes to a conclusion, for bad or for good. But like my brother said, you need an answer. But I'm not going to give up. Once again, I'm Jessica Babb with CBS 21 News in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. In addition to hosting this podcast, I also wrote, produced, and edited it. If you like what you heard, let me know and leave a review. If you have questions about the case, let us know. You can email me at jessicababb at sbgtv.com or send an email to our newsroom at news at cbs21.com. To see what Lauren might look like now, you can visit our website at cbs21.com. And if you have any tips or information about Lauren's case, reach out to East Vincent Police. Their number is 610-933-0115. And if you have an unsolved case you'd like us to look into, let us know. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.